Good morning, everyone. I love this uh, fall season that we're in. How many are agree with me on that? You love the fall season? Yeah, something about, I see a few heads shaking. But uh, I think, uh, I like all the seasons. I like the way that the seasons change, except for that season between, what, January and March. Uh, not too fond of, of those months or that season that they call winter, but, uh, but do enjoy fall and the time of harvest. And I know for some of you, harvest is a busy, a busy season and a busy time, but uh, it is also a, a, a wonderful time as well. Let's turn together in our Bibles today to the 15th chapter of Matthew. I will be reading from the New Living Translation today, the NLT. Most of the time, most of you know that I normally use the New International Version, which is the NIV. Uh, but sometimes it's nice to look at a different translation. Uh, many of the translations we have, of course, are very similar. Um, they... Uh, the translation, of course, from Hebrew and Greek, which the original text were, were in, is not always an exact science when you try to translate that from those languages into English. But really, they, they kind of all say basically the same thing. Uh, but I encourage you, no matter what translation you have this morning, to open up your Bibles and uh, to follow along. I think uh, that's important because... Uh, it's just good for us to open up our Bibles, whether it's the, the printed word or on your phone or whatever, uh, to have it in front of us and to be looking at it ourselves and following along. And, you know, during this uh, message series that we have been calling Following Jesus, we've been looking at what Jesus said, and most of that has come from the Sermon on the Mount, which is from Matthew 5 through 7. But today we're going to be looking at an encounter that Jesus and his disciples had with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law uh, in that time. And uh, I guess we might call them the religious elite of, those, uh, of that day. But Jesus had a lot to say about how they were um, living out their religion. And um, it didn't exactly line up with what Jesus was teaching. And uh, so the Pharisees go from Jerusalem, they go up north to Galilee to ask Jesus this question and actually some others, but uh, Jesus uses this opportunity to teach and to preach. And so let's read verses 1 through 20 of Matthew 15. It says, Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. And they asked him, why do your dis disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commands of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way you say they don't need in, in this way you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites. 
Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter said to Jesus, Explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand yet, Jesus asked. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Why don't your disciples wash their hands before they eat? That, (laughs) this question that the Jewish religious elite are asking Jesus might seem kind of trivial to us today. But it wasn't trivial to them. One of their long-held religious traditions was that everyone must wash their hands before a meal. Now, my mom, you know, always told me that that was a good idea. But all those years that I would wash my hands before dinner or before we eat, little did I know that this was a strict um, Jewish tradition back in the days of Jesus. I had to wonder... Uh, this week, how many times the Pharisees would have washed their hands during the pandemic that we just went through? Because, you know, that's something we were told to do all the time is, is wash our hands. So they probably would have taken that and they, would made a, they might have made that into a religious tradition. But the Pharisees were so focused on these kind of external acts of purity that they uh, highly regulated even some of the most mundane activities in their life. They thought that these kind of external things were helping them, you know, develop this purity before God. Before this, uh, they called Jesus and his disciples out on defiling the Sabbath day. And uh, there were some other uh, similar oral laws like that. Uh, which were a part of the so-called tradition of the elders back in in that day. It's maybe, you know, easy for us today to be critical of those traditional laws. But if we looked and thought long enough, we probably could find a few of our own, even today, things that are like that. What Jesus does with his answer here is he turns the table on them and he asks a question right back to them. He says, well, 
why do you break God's command about honoring your father and mother? Apparently, many of them were offering their money to the temple and not looking after their parents as they, as they should have been. In other words, you know, they were thinking that, that they could earn a higher standing with God by giving the temple most of their money and in the meantime, you know, neglecting their parents um, of the support that they needed. That vow back in that day was called the Corbin vow. It was this vow to give all to the temple and, and, and supposedly, you know, earn this higher standing with God because they were giving so much of their money and so on to the temple. But the thing was that that vow, they were so serious about that vow that it was causing them to ignore the important command of God about honoring and taking care of their mothers and fathers. Basically what Jesus was doing, though, was getting to the heart of the matter here. He was trying to show them that, that purity and righteousness, they come, it comes from the heart. It doesn't come from traditions like those of the elders. In other words, today, to put it into our context, we can come to church, we can read our Bibles every day, we can give to the needy, as we should do all of those things, but we still, doing all those things, we still can be living a life that is impure, immoral, and sinful. If our heart and if our lifestyles are corrupted by the world, and so Jesus refers back to a prophecy of Isaiah in verses 8 and, eight and 9 that kind of hit at the heart of this. He said, those, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. What Jesus goes on to say is that this is a matter of the heart. Those who were questioning Jesus were worried more about the washing of hands and what they ate instead of having a pure heart before God with their words and their thoughts and their actions. And so, you know, as followers of Jesus, we need to embrace and we need to live in the purity of Jesus. And we see that in verse 19 where Jesus says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Jesus says, these are what defile a person. You know, perhaps Jesus is saying to us today, in a world of man-made ideas and temptations, be sure that your heart is pure because that is what is important to God. And of course, we see this desire for this kind of pure heart in David after he was caught in uh, both adultery and murder uh, in Psalm 51 is where we hear him saying this to God. We've heard it several times, a couple times already this morning. Create in me a pure heart, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know, the first week of this message series, we were 
uh, reminded that no one is beyond the grace of Jesus. Not David, not us, no one is beyond the grace of Jesus. God wants to save us from all of these things. And God does want to and have a desire to create a pure heart within us if we will seek his forgiveness and if we will seek his restoration in our life. We must remember that as we journey through this world with man-made ideas that are contrary to God's created world. And you know, man-made ideas have always been in the world since the fall of Adam and Eve. We talked about that in Christian ed class this morning. But it seems like we are surrounded by them in today's world. And unfortunately, many followers of Jesus are falling for those man-made ideas. Human sexuality is often not being lived as God intended these days. The, social, the societal and cultural costs of that are mounting quickly when it comes to things like relationships and gender and marriage confusion. Those things that Jesus mentions in verse 19 seem to be true today and the world is quickly abandoning the long-held truths that are laid out in God's word for their own truth and, and their own agendas. One repeater, uh, run reporter recently referred to all of this chaos as generation indoctrination. Our culture, our culture these days isn't saying explicitly that God doesn't exist. It just acts as if God doesn't exist. And of course, we must be aware that not, not everyone shares our values as followers of Jesus. One article I read this past week was talking about how polyamory is on the rise in the U.S. If you're not sh uh, familiar with that term, it means instead of two people in a relationship or a marriage, you might have three. Currently, there's only one city, this might shock some of you, but there's only one city in the U.S. that recognizes polyamorous domestic relationships, and that is Somerville, Massachusetts. But unbelievably, other cities and states are looking into it. As one wedding planner in New York described this, she said, basically, you can do whatever you want with marriage. Well, at the end of that article, which was by James Emery White, he said this. He said, I know that the world is veering sharply away from a biblical perspective, but that does not mean that biblical truth is not, well, biblical truth. Marriage is between one man and one woman. The truth is, he is only saying there what God ordained and what Jesus himself proclaimed. A couple chapters later in Matthew, Jesus is again questioned by these same Pharisees about marriage and about divorce. 
And this is what he said. At the beginning, the creator made them, male and female, and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. That seems pretty straightforward and hard to confuse. I've heard it said before, uh, on any and every issue, we should go to the Bible, and then we should go with the Bible. You see, knowing and believing the truth in God's word will give us the wisdom and the discernment we need when these other ideas come at us from the world and from culture. And, um, you know, you can't hardly turn around these days to realize that they are coming at us and they are in the news all the time. Now, of course, as we talk about these kind of things, and I've said this before, and this is very this is very important. I think with all of this that's going on in the world right now, we need to speak these truths, but we need to speak them with love and not allow hateful attitudes to lead the way when we are conversing about them. I mean, you know, some people may hate us for not agreeing with them, but still, we need to operate in the love and the compassion of Jesus that we've been talking about during these weeks as being followers of Jesus. This is what we do. This is who we are. Kind of like the needy people on the corner that we talked about. We need to have compassion for them. You know, our fleshly attitude wants to think all these other things, but, you know, Jesus would probably look at them and just have compassion that they're in that situation. And so... Um, the same goes for people who are lost and her, who are living outside of, of God's commands and, and God's created nature. We need to find compassion for them and, and we need to pray that they might see the truth and that they might find a, a pure heart before God. The same pure heart, you see, that David uh, was seeking after his missteps away from God. And the other thing is, you know, who are we to judge? Because if we look at the list of fleshly sins here in Matthew 15 and the ones we hear from Galatians 5, if we look at them and really pay attention and not just pick out the ones we want to pick out, we might realize that our life maybe isn't as pure as we thought it might be. In the NLT Bible, Galatians 5 says it this way. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Uh, clear. Of course, sexual immorality is first, but let's listen to all the others. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That's quite a list. And it's hard or maybe impossible to say that 
any of us are innocent of all of those. Surely there's something there that that we have all struggled with. And that's why we should be quick to repent and receive the grace of Jesus instead of judging the sins of others. Our aim should be like that of David's to ask God to create in us the kind of clean heart that we need and that Jesus desires to see in us. I know many of us, you know, we've been encouraged by our doctors to have a, a healthy heart physically. I mean, that's, it's all over our products these days, healthy heart pro, you know, product or whatever. Um, Jesus is encouraging us, encouraging us to have a healthy heart spiritually. The one, the physical one, is important for life here on earth, undoubtedly. And the other is important for life here on earth as well as our eternal life in heaven. In Galatians 5, Paul makes it very clear how important this is. You know, after he lists all of those desires of the sinful nature, and in the, in the next verse he says this, he says, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are tough words to hear. But here's the good news to hear. The story of the Bible is a story of, of hope. It is, it is with us so that we know how to move from the despair of this world and the sinful nature within us and into this hope of Jesus for all who will repent and receive it. You know, this cross is up here behind me because it reminds us of the price that Jesus paid for us to have that hope. Well, when Jesus then ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, he, he had told his disciples this in John 14, 15, and 16. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Several verses later, Jesus says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, is the one who loves me. And you know, that's, that's why we have been talking about these things for these past five weeks. If we follow Jesus, if we love Jesus, if we want to be right with God the Father, then we need to live our lives with a pure, repentant heart before him and follow the commands and ways of Jesus our savior it's not always easy of course we've <laughs> we've talked about that for the last 5 weeks as well and we definitely cannot do this on our own and in our own strength we need Jesus to rescue us from all of these desires of our sinful nature and we need to realize that he is the only one who can rescue us from them. And then, of course, we need the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit can be our advocate and our help in those times when temptation and struggle come. And they will come. In Galatians 5, Paul didn't just list the desires of sinful nature, of course. He listed also the fruit of the Spirit there that will help us to keep a pure heart before God. And I love it that our kids uh, know this so well. You know, there's something to be said about music. And because of a song that they sing almost every, every Sunday, it's almost requested every Sunday down in the primary department when they sing. But they know the fruits of the Spirit. I mean, that was obvious from the children's time this morning. They know these. And, and we need to know them as well. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yes, self-control is one of those fruits of the Spirit. And, you know, I know it's, it's easy to get worried. It's easy to despair and, and to sometimes feel like the chaos in this world is just winning and it's running rampant and, and all of that. But it will not win in the end. The truth of God, our creator, and the ways of Jesus, our savior, will overcome the world. And Jesus said that himself. In this world, you will have trouble. There will be trouble. I've told you these things so that, that you may have peace. Take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. So Jesus can... Jesus will and Jesus has rescued us from all of these things. And so today, maybe we need to think about, you know, what it is in our life right now that, that we need rescued from. Maybe it's on the list of things we've looked at today. Maybe it's, it's not. Maybe it's something else. But what is it that is keeping us, keeping me, keeping you from having a clean and pure heart before God. As a follower of Jesus, you can be set free from that, whatever it might be, and you can seek the purity that is found in Christ. In Matthew 5, verse 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart. For what? They will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's how important this is. Jesus didn't say a perfect heart. Mind you, he said a, a pure heart. And that means a heart that has come to him, that has, has received him, repented of sins, and received the grace and the salvation that he has come to offer to us. And so that is how you can experience this purity of Jesus in your life. I'd like to ask you to stand if you're able at this time, and we're going to end this morning by saying the words of David in Psalm 51 together in unison. And after that, we're going to sing a song that we, we sing sometimes here that proclaims that Jesus alone is who can rescue us and ourselves from this world. So let's say this verse together. Ready? Create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Let's say it one more time. Create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit 
within me. Eric is going to come lead us in that song, and then we will close with prayer this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for being there for us. We, we know that you understand the struggles we have in this life and in this world. And we are so grateful that you are there to redeem us and save us from those. Lord, perhaps your spirit, your Holy Spirit has speaking, been speaking to individual hearts here this morning about something that, that needs to be made right. That is keeping their heart from being pure before you. And so Lord, this morning I pray that, that those things might be revealed to us. So that we like David can come before you in repentance and receive your grace and forgiveness and your help in moving uh, forward in the days ahead. So Lord, I just pray that you'd, you'd uh, speak to each of us either today, this week about uh, maybe something in our life that is keeping, keeping our heart from being pure before you and help us to make that right with you. Lord, I thank you for each one here this morning, each one watching online. I just pray your blessing over each one. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would go with us uh, in this week ahead. We continue. We will continue to lift up the Hershberger family and just be near to them in the, in the passing of, of Henry. And may your peace and your strength go with us as we leave this place today. And all God's people said, amen. Have a great week, everyone. Mm -hmm.